Okay, let's get started. We shall pray. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, this church that we have, this family that we're worshiping with God, and for speaking to us through your word. And as we cover this topic of missions, that you, we pray that you would um, make us receptive to what you have to say. That may this be more than just head knowledge, but may it sink into our hearts. And may it give us a love and a passion for missions, God. And I pray that uh, perhaps even uh, in time there would be missionaries sent out from this church um, for the love of the gospel, for the sake of obedience to you, God. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All right. So we are going to do a two-part series on missions. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to actually take a, uh, a look at kind of like the whole storyline of the Bible. And our the, the point I'm going to make this week and next week is that missions is um, the thrust of, of Scripture. So it's not merely uh, something Jesus told us to do in at the, end, at the end of his time here on earth. It's something that has been going on from the very beginning of time. So um, before we get into that... Uh, let me just ask you guys, what, what comes to mind when you think about missions? Like when I say missions or missionaries, what do you guys think? What comes to mind? Africa. Africa, okay. Other countries? Countries, what else? Jungles, okay. African jungles. Like when we think of missions, we think of these maybe far off exotic lands that we would never want to go to, right? Okay, what else? Anything else? Local. Local? Like crazy? No, local. You can go on missions locally, right? Oh, local! Yes. (laughs) You can do local missions. And local. (laughs) Anything else? Okay. Well, when we think of missions, we, we usually think of missions as something that's done internationally. We go on a plane and we go minister to people outside of the United States. But missions, it's, it's a, um, in some ways it's much bigger than that, and in some ways it's a lot more specific than that, or a lot more, um, uh, it's closer, it, it can be closer to home. And, uh, so what I want us to get away from thinking is that missions is something that, uh, is a supplementary part of church life that is just something that some it's something that other people do. But in fact, this should be something that every church and and every believer should be concerned about. Something that all of us should um, should should uh, understand. And to get us there, we're, we're going to look at missions from a uh, from a from a uh, biblical standpoint. Meaning, um, what is the what is the how does missions uh, fit into the entire storyline of the Bible? So, I'm going to start off with this definition um, of missions, and this is from Christopher Wright's book, The Mission of God. And he says, Missions is our committed participation as God's people, at God's invitation and command, in God's own mission within the history of God's world, for the redemption of God's creation. And over the next two weeks, we'll uh, we'll pull this out, we'll, we'll look at uh, what this really means, okay? So, before we get into the uh, the lessons here, or before we get into the uh, major points here, um, let me just kind of um, 
get our heads around what missions, how missions fits in the entire storyline of the Bible. So, here's the beginning of time. Uh, beginning of time. And here's the end. Uh, oh, actually, let me just say this. Genesis. And Revelation. And how a lot of people view the Bible is, oh, it's a bunch of little stories, and, uh, you know, some of them are related to each other, others aren't. So these are all these different stories, and that comprises what we have in the Bible. Um, the Bible. So, uh, but what, what we're gonna push the, uh, in this lesson is that in fact, missions runs through, missions is kind of, Missions. Missions is what runs through the entire Bible, and the book that I've been reading to, to study upon this um, topic, uh, it's called The Mission of God, and the uh, he says that missions is the primary driver behind all of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. So, uh, what what does what's God's ultimate purpose? What does He want? people to know? What does he want his creation to reflect? Himself. Thanks. Sorry. Um, <laughs> God in the Bible, he wants to make himself known. And this is what missions is all about. It's not um, It's not merely about uh, Christianizing people. It's about people knowing God and God has revealed himself from the very beginning of time and his his ambition is to um, make himself known to all nations. So we'll see how this works out. So um, we'll start with the first point. God seeks a world full of people who will worship him. Therefore, he commands the first man and woman to be fruitful and multiply. Um, Ashley, can I have you read Genesis 128? God bless them. God says to them, be fruitful and fill the earth and subdue it. Thank you. Um, so, God is saying, "I'm going to create these people, and I want them. I want there to be more of them." Um, so that's the beginning, and uh, we'll go through uh, a big part of the Old Testament today. And next week we'll hit the New Testament. But um, this is where the story begins. Um, Lisa, can I have you read? Uh, Genesis 9-1, and let me preface it by saying, After the entrance of sin, God floods the earth in chapter 8 and starts over. He then gives the same command to Noah and his sons. So again, God is telling, giving the same command to that he gave to Adam and Eve. So Genesis 9 please, please, please. Thanks. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I think Genesis one twenty is an amazing verse, simply because... I've always been taught that missions is a response to sin and rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like the remedy, um, but actually, the mandate of missions, the call of missions, precedes, predates the fall, mm-hmm. which I think is uh, an amazing concept and idea. Like it was always supposed to be missions from the beginning, yeah. right? That from Eden on out, mm-hmm. um, the knowledge of the glory of God was supposed to spread over the face of the earth. Yeah, like the waters covered the seas. Yeah, it is amazing. And um, in my definition here, where it says, um, 
This is got at the, the second line um, for the redemption of God's creation. Let me. We like missions is not Plan B, right? It was plan A from the very yeah. beginning. Um, what was what was what was there when God created the earth? What was what was the environment that God created? It was a void, chaos. a void. Okay, so void. Um, and then where did he place Adam and Eve? In the garden. In the garden. And then, that's the Genesis. We move all the way over to Revelation. What, what, what is the place that man resides in with God? Is it a garden? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also the city of God, right? Garden city. Yeah. So this is a um, garden city. So all along this way, man is man is. Um, is doing God's work on earth and we talked about this a few uh, Sunday school lessons ago and he is um, creating and he's cultivating and he's um, he's a co-worker with God in redeeming the earth and uh, and what God started he completes in Revelation and his people uh, God's people they do God's work and in the process they make God known they make the name of God famous in the earth and um, this is kind of well, just, th- that's a whole lesson so <laughs> if you guys need to leave you can leave but um, <laughs> yeah okay so after after Noah and his sons um, we see the Tower of Babel God scatters prideful man and spreads man across the earth this sets the stage for his story of reaching his people Jeff can I have you read Genesis eleven eight, please so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city okay thanks so this is where man, um, this is when the languages of man was confused, and this is the beginning of all these different nations, all these different languages, and there's confusion among the people, and this is what separates people. And now there are, there's, there's more than one language where people communicate, can communicate, there's more than one region where people reside. There is a multitude of languages, and there's a multitude of places where people live. Um, that means that, the, that there is something that needs to be done to reach these people with the knowledge of God. Um, Can I ask a question? Yes. I mean, so the Tower of Babel, the uh, multiplicity of languages, is a result of human rebellion. But then the vision we see in Revelation is you know, multiple languages praising God. So was that the intention like, uh, how does the Tower of Babel fit then in, uh, in this unfolding missional narrative? Like, was it? Because, I mean, if, 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 uh, if Adam hadn't fallen and they had moved towards the Garden City, the New Jerusalem, would it have been monolingual? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Does anyone want to uh, address that? I'd have to think about that. Uh, I'm not sure. Do you have a... Uh, I don't know. I, uh, uh, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, the other thing I think about is the, the people of Israel asking for a king. Mm-hmm. So that was out of human rebellion and sin, but that was always what was intended. There was supposed to be a king. The provisions were made for a king in, in the first five books of, of Moses. So I'm thinking the, the Tower of Babel was a result of human rebellion and yet nevertheless God had always intended for there to be multiple ethnicities multiple languages and cultures 
mind. Maybe that's speculation. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I have to read Chris Wright's book. Yeah, maybe it's a, that's a thousand page book, right? Yeah, his. So, th- so this book is a, it's like a five hundred page book, and uh, my intention was to read it all this week and <laughs> summarize it. But, it's like uh, it's like a five point font too, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, so with like all these like footnotes and stuff like that, but I don't know. Maybe I just maybe I need to think it through. But maybe speculation is I got maybe the uh, one of the things we can pull out from there is that God uses sinful means to achieve His purposes. Sure. And God's rebellion is. God is saying, I'm going to redeem even this. Yes. And, uh, and make it beautiful yeah. in the end so that the picture in the end is beautiful when you have all these tribes and tongues, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we would, we would appreciate it more if we lived amongst like, different cultures and if this room were full of different people, it'd be more awesome. But yeah, we're all Asian people in our, in our 20s and 30s. But, different uh, Asians. Different Asians, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Um, so after the Tower of Babel, God calls Abraham to leave his country. He sets off to establish a nation that will bless all peoples. Um, Rox, I had you read already. Rox, um, Catherine, I'm going to have you read uh, Genesis. I'm sorry, I didn't have you read. Uh, can I have you read Genesis 12, 1 and 2, please? Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kingdom, your kingdom and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Okay, Abraham, here is this guy that God calls to leave. Oh, that's actually, yeah, here you go. Um, here's this guy that God says, Abraham, you leave your country, and I'm going to bless you. So Abraham is um, Abraham is in this one spot, and he leaves. So this is where Abraham, Abram, lives. And then God tells him, go somewhere else. And then his name is changed to Abraham. And, um, and God promises that one day his descendants will be as vast as the sands on the shores, as many as the stars in the sky. Um, how does that happen? Um, is, is Abraham going to father, physically father, um, millions and billions of people? Um, or does it happen through some other way? Um, his son... Um, God, his son Jacob gets the same promise from God. Uh, Catherine, can I have you read Genesis twenty-eight fourteen, please? Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. All right, who's going to be blessed? All the families of the earth, not only all the families of Abram's particular region. Um, all the families of the earth. This is God's promise to His people that in in all the earth, if this is the earth, right? And there's that. Looks <laughs> 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 like Cartman. <laughs> um, if that's the earth, God is saying, no. It's not only the people here that are blessed. Here, He's saying, over the entire earth, people will be blessed. How does this happen? This happens through. Missions. Our next point is God makes himself known to Israel. So from Abraham, all this stuff happens, and God makes himself known to Israel. So we're continuing on in the biblical story in Exodus. Um, God redeems, or God saves his people from the Egyptians. Um, Neiman, can I have you read Exodus 6, 6 through 8, please? Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. 
and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. All right, thanks. So here's God promising the Israelites that he will save them, that he'll redeem them, he'll do these mighty works in their midst. Um, Marshall, Joel 2.27, please. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. All right, here's God. Here is, um, do you guys know what the Israelites called God? It was, starts with Y. Yahweh. Yahweh. Allah. So there's no, um, there's no syllables, so they would say, they would say Yahweh. Um, we fill it in with Yahweh, but then it was, Yahweh was the God of Israel. And he says here in Joel that they'll know that there's the Lord God and that there's no other God. So in the, in, uh, back in the ancient times, there was a plethora of gods. Every nation had their own God or gods or multiple gods. And God tells Israel, me, Yahweh, you will know that I am the one true God. And in fact, I am the only God. Um, and in 1 Kings 8.23 and the 16. Dumb, I'm going to have you read that, please. Okay. Um, o Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you. In heaven above, on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. That all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. All right. Is it only Israel? It is, is it only that Israel may know that the Lord is God? What does that say here? It says that all the peoples of earth may know that there is that the Lord is God and that there is no other. So, what God is saying, and, and I don't have time to go into um, uh, the really nuance, the funny nuances of this this point right here, where God makes Himself known to Israel. But what God is saying is there are all these other gods, right? There are there are um, there's Yahweh, the God of Israel, who works in the midst of the Israelites, who redeemed them, who rescued them, who provides for them, and there are all these other gods. Let me make it little g gods. All the surrounding nations they had their gods, and God is saying that not only is God greater than these gods, but in fact he's the only God, so there is no real God. So, the story of Israel, if you guys read through the Old Testament, God continues to tell Israel, I'm your God, I love you, I provide for you, but what do these Israelites keep on doing? They keep on messing up, they keep on sinning, they keep on um, failing to do the things, to keep the covenant that God has set before them. And God and what that is, it's, it's called idolatry. Anytime you put anything above God, that's idolatry. If you, it doesn't have to be a, uh, it doesn't have to be a specific, you know, statue that you worship. Just any, anything that you uh, give priority over God, um, that's a little g God. And God, over, over and over again, He's telling Israel, um, "Look at what I'm doing. Look at who I am." I am the one true God, and you will know this. This is why God sends his prophets. This is why God continues to tell his people, reminding them over and over and over, I am the one true God. There is no other God beside me. So what this is, is God is crushing idolatry. So he's saying, all you idolaters, all you people who believe in other gods, all you people who place your... Um, your farms or your family or your careers over God, 
I'm going to crush that. So when when these passages say that we will know that the Lord is God, it's more than just a head knowledge. It's, it's God pushing into our hearts that He is the one true God, the one true God that's wor- worth worshiping. So, this is Israel. Uh, Israel. And these are the, this is this is the region in which God worked, the physical region, and the Israelites had witnessed God doing work amongst them, and God had continued to remind them that they are um, loved, that there's a covenant with them. So, the story continues on. The nations will witness the redemptive history of Israel. And um, I'm just going to read, I'm just going to have us read a couple of these. Um, Mary Lou, can I have you read... Um, Exodus fifteen fourteen through sixteen, please. Oh, which one? Sorry. Uh, the top one. Oh. Okay. Um, the peoples of her they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling ceases of the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them. Because of the greatness of your arm, they are still as a stone. Till your people, O oh Lord, pass by till. Is it <laughs> the people pass by whom you have purchased? Okay. Thanks. So we have all these weird names. There are the um, Moabites, there are the Edomites, there are the Canaanites. Um, and these are people that uh, are not Israelites, but God, but these scriptures says it's these people, these foreigners, they're going to witness what God has done amongst the Israelites. Okay, so the nations will witness the redemptive history of Israel. Um, actually, I think we have time to read through all these. I'm going to have, uh, Gary, can you read out? Uh, the second point, uh, Deuteronomy 29, please. All the nations will say, Why has the Lord done thus to this land? What caused the heat of this great anger? Then people will say, It is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and went and observed, served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. All right, thanks. So who says, Why has the Lord done thus to this land? All the nations. All the nations. So it's not it's, it's not self-contained within Israel. It's all the nations that witness what God has done in the life of, of Israel. Okay, what are you going to say, something? Oh no. Okay. Um, Chelsea, can I have you read Ezekiel thirty-six, please? Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. All right. This is a great verse. Um, the nations, not only Israel, but it was amongst all the nations that God's name had been profaned. And God did his work amongst the Israelites. For what reason? It was for the sake of his own name. Why did God save the Israelites? Why did God perform miracles and wonders amongst the Israelites? Was it merely for the benefit of, was it merely for the benefit of the Israelites? No, this passage says that in all the nations, God's name was profaned. It means that God's reputation was smeared amongst the nations. They saw what Israel had done or what had happened in Israel. And God said, 
this is unacceptable. I cannot allow my name to be smeared. So the reason why God did what he did was because he had to protect the honor of his name. So he says here, in all the nations, my name is profaned, and my name will be redeemed in all the, uh, amongst all the nations. I'm looking at like four different pages right here. I'm not sure what I'm looking Okay. I'm like so confused right now. Um, um, and all the nations will know that I am the Lord. All the, uh, this is the uh, last second to last line. And the nations will know that I am the Lord. So it's not only the Israel that will know that, God, that Yahweh is Lord, but all the nations will know that Yahweh is the Lord. Okay? Any questions, comments before we move on? All right. Okay, uh, the nations. So not only will the nations, these foreigners, witness what happens in Israel, but they'll be beneficiaries of Israel's blessing. Um, Tommy, can I have you read Psalm 47, 1 through 2, please? <clears throat> Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. The great king over all the earth. All right. It's not only the great king over Israel, but the great king over all the earth. And this is the imperative in Psalm 47. It says... Clap your hands. Who? All people. All people. Um, everyone clap your hands. Everyone sing to God. Everyone shout to God. Loud songs of joy. So this is this this scene of um, all people just happy. There's there's merriment and mirth and joy at what God has done. So it's not only the Israelites that are the um, beneficiaries of what God has done, but all the nations benefit from what has happened in Israel and to Israel. Uh, Michael, can I have you read Psalm 67, please? <laughs> may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations, that the peoples praise you, O God, that all the peoples praise you. Alright. All the people will praise God for what has happened in Israel, okay? And uh, actually, if we look through um, uh, Psalms, this is full of, of passages that talk about all the people, all the nations, all the kings worshiping God and giving God the honor that he deserves. I remember when I was younger, I, you know, this, that, that expression, all people praise you, you see it all the time. And I remember thinking, oh, that's just like poetic embellishment, right? It's just, just like a pretty word, like all peoples praise God. But I never thought of it in terms of the, a missions mandate, right? Missions exist because that doesn't actually happen. Yeah. And and, and missions is is a vehicle so that people will all people's will praise God. Yeah. And this is where the famous John Piper line comes from, right? It's missions exist because worship doesn't. So God desires his name to be known amongst all people and um, God des- desires that everyone worship him. So in order to do that missions needs to happen. People need to go and tell others about the name of God. I mean, I mean, just to keep adding on, I mean, I think in that sense it's amazing. Psalms is one of the most missionary books in the Bible. I used to think missions was Acts mm-hmm. or the uh, last chapter of Matthew. Right. Uh, but it's Psalms, you mm-hmm. know? It's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. And here we're beginning to see that this mission story is woven through uh, the entire Bible. Okay. Um, and then here comes a really happy part the nations will worship Israel's God so Egypt had different gods and um, and and uh, 
all the other nations <laughs> around it. Like every every nation will worship God. So I mean, we think of the ancient Near East as just you know um, that area around the area. Uh, but then there's this there's all these there's the Asian countries, there's the American countries, there's South American countries, and the promise is that all the nations will worship the God of Israel. It started with. Um, Abraham, when God made the promise to him, and he said, your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky. And where does that come from? They're not all just relegated to um, to Israel. It's all the ends of the earth. Okay. The nations will worship Israel's God. Um, I'm sorry, I don't... Uh, yeah, Russ. Raz? Russ. Russ. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I think I've met you before. I'm sorry. Um, do you mind reading uh, Psalm 22, 27, please? Um... Um, yeah. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. All right, thank you. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. So this is a continuation of um, the previous points. Um, all the nations, all the families worship God. All right, uh, Karen, Psalm 46, please. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Alright, here's this promise from God saying that um, I may be, there may only be certain nations right now that worship me, but there is coming a time when every nation will be worshiping me. Um, Psalm 67, 2 through 4. Uh, we kind of read part of this already, but Joe Melin, can I have you read this passage again that you may be known? That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. All right, thanks. Um, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. I, I love, I love this image that Psalm 67 gives us. It's all the nations are happy. They're so glad they know God. Um, and back to Jeff. Uh, I'm going to have you read um, Psalm 102:15, please. Other nations will worship before will worship Israel's God. Alright, so here's a re- an echo of what we've been talking about. Uh, okay, and finally, na- the nations will be included in Israel's identity. So, Israel was rescued, Israel was, um, the, the covenant love of God was promised to Israel. But, they're not the only ones that get it, and this is a really great part. It's not only the Jews... It's not only um, these people that are different from us that receive the blessings of God, um, but all the nations will have the same identity as Israel. Um, Lisa, I'm going to read again Psalm 19, please. I'm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 19. In that day, Israel will be with Egypt and Assyria. They will worship Israel, All right. Egypt and Assyria are not Israel. In fact, this is where the enemies of, of Israel resided. And this crazy passage says here, the enemies of Israel will be included in the identity, will have the same identity as Israel. So this is a really strange thing that goes on. God is saying um, these people that were Yahweh haters, these um, Jewish uh, persecutors, um, these people will be will have the same identity as Israel. Um, Ashley, uh, Isaiah 56, please. These foreigners are the greatest of my holy mountain, and make them good for my house of prayer. 
offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, and my house shall be called the house of prayer for all Alright, thank you. God's house of prayer is for who? It's not only for the Israelites. It's for all people. So every nation will come to the house of God. They'll come to the house of prayer. And they'll worship God together. In all these different languages and all these people of different skin colors and different interests, they're all going to come together and worship God. And finally, uh, our last verse, I'm going to have um, Roxanne, can you read Zechariah 2, please? Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. All right, thank you. And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord. Um, this is the great promise of God in the Old Testament. And next week we'll go into how does this happen? And you guys can probably have a have a clue as to who comes on the scene and makes this happen. But um, so just with this lesson, I want us to understand that in the Old Testament, God is, it's not just a different, it's not a uh, separate set, series of stories that just make up these books in the Bible, but it is in fact one long story, one grand narrative story in which God makes himself famous. And this is God's desire, is that there are people down the streets from us, and there are people across the hall in our apartments, um, and there are people in Mexico and Canada, and there are people in Asia that don't know that God is good. And God's story from the very beginning of time is God's people will tell others that God is good, that God is great. And this is a story of missions. And the cool thing is we are all a part of this mission. And God invites us to be a part of this. And um, I was watching a video this morning. Uh, uh, I'm gonna Maybe I'll show this next week, but... Um, Google this, uh, or just YouTube this, Matt Papa, and uh, he has a song called The Reward, and he tells the story of these missionaries, uh, this guy's a musician, but um, he, he prefaces the song with this story of two guys who sell themselves into slavery, um, two totally just normal people um, that can live normal lives, they sell themselves into slavery so that they can preach the gospel to slaves. And they're in their 20s, and they know they're going to die as slaves. But they believe that Jesus is worth it, that God is worthy of, of, of the worship of everyone. And he, and he uh, it's called the reward because as, um, as these two men, they say goodbye to their family and friends for the very last time, everyone knows they're going to die, and they're never going to see them again. They, they raise their hands, and they say, "'May the Lamb receive the reward of his suffering.'" And this is the story of the church. Is that the church? One of the imperatives of the church is to make God known, let people know that Jesus has saved them. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a, so his song. Um, that's what the song is about. Um, but uh, YouTube it, and then as you watch the video, there he goes through all these different people groups. There are people groups, especially in Asia. And um, where uh, people uh, there, there's a, this people groups and languages and tribes in which if there are like four million people in them, 0.01 percent are Christians, and the rest of them are going to hell. But the rest of them do not know that God is good. And the story of missions is God telling people, 
either through prophets or through preachers or through us as people that know the love of God. God's saying, there are people that do not worship me. There are people that do not know that I am good. And we are all in this story. And the story is we tell other people that God is good. And um, I, I, like, I was thinking this morning, um, how likely is it that IGC is going to send out a missionary one day? Um, how likely is it that some of us are going to give up our, our lives for the sake of the gospel? Um, and if we do, we fall in line with all of Scripture because it's the story of God using His people to make Himself known. Okay, and well, next week we'll talk about um, the uh, some of some of the practicalities of of missions and missionaries. Um, just how many people are going to hell um, right now, and uh, what can we do about it? And um, let, me, let me let me put it in a positive I, I, way. I wouldn't put it like that. Yeah, I think, I think it's. Um, missions does not save people from hell, but missions is people don't know God. Yeah, let me. So yeah, um, and, and, and if you think about it, Jesus has always defined hell as the outer darkness, right, as away from the presence of God. And so there are people who don't know God, who don't enjoy God, um, and uh, that is hell. Even now, yeah, but yeah. So let me let me uh, rephrase that. Let me put it in a positive light. Um, I think there is a reality of of people dying and um, and not knowing Yahweh God um, in the positive sense there are people that in, in uh, God says that there are people that um, were created to worship God and they're never going to find fulfillment until they fulfill the purpose with which he created them and in order for that to happen they need to know who God is and they need to know that God is worthy of worship so what we're doing is we're, we're it's not merely um, out of the sake of you know guilt that people become missionaries it's because it's for the sake of the joy of the nations it's for the sake of um, of, of the church that God's, God sends people who will joyfully tell um, others that God is good so um, anyways, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, we'll talk about, um, is there a difference between Israel and the church? Israel fulfilled a purpose in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, the church also fulfills a role that Israel um, was given in the Old Testament. And uh, we'll talk about how missions is uh, talked about in the New Testament. So uh, if you notice, I did not mention um, the Great Commission at all in this lesson. And Usually we think this is where mission starts. It's when Jesus told his followers, um, go and make disciples of all men. And we consider this the Great Commission. But actually the Great Commission started with Adam and Eve when they were tasked with the job of populating the earth so that there would be God followers and God lovers. Okay? Um, questions, comments? Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your story. We thank you for missionaries. We thank you that um, somewhere along the line, uh, missionaries co- told Chinese people about, or Filipinos, or Koreans, um, or wherever, whatever other uh, ethnicities are represented here in this room. We thank you that missionaries or someone took the initiative to tell us about Jesus, and because of that, we have eternal life. And I pray that that would be our heart as we continue to spread your fame uh, on the earth, God. So teach us well, and um, 
we look forward to the next hour as we worship you as a family, God. And in doing so, we fulfill our purpose as human beings. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.